Good morning, good morning. This week, uh, I um, got, my name is Finn, and my wife, Amber, and I, we, we volunteer here at, at, at Christ the King Sudden Valley here in Bellingham, Washington, and we love being here. Our life is a little complicated these days. We live in Tacoma part of the time now, and in our, in, in our little apartment, and uh, we, um, wa- we watch online or listen online a good portion of the time on Sunday mornings. So, but it's so good to be in Sudden Valley uh, this morning. Actually, and it's wild being away for a month. Like I drove into Sudden Valley, and I just wanted to like stop at every person. Like as I was driving to my house, I wanted to stop at each house where I knew someone. I just wanted to say, "I'm here." I just wanted to say hi. You know, and I was just like, "Well, they're not as excited to be here as I." It, to say hi to me as I am to say hi to them, you know. It's one of those moments. This week, uh, today, I get to talk about s- this concept of slowing, of, of this, uh, the title of my talk, if I could have a title, it would be slow is a verb, or, uh, or be slow like the turtle, or something like that. And what's been funny about this week is, this is a difficult, a challenging topic for me, it's not my gifting or my strength at all. I've done, made a lot of life decisions to try to facilitate my growth in this area over the years. Uh, but slowing and having a more gentle and slower approach to life is not my strength. In fact, if any of you have done um, a little bit of public speaking, like one, we all have our ways that we deal with public speaking. Um, one of my ways that I deal with public speaking is, is uh, I like to, ha- to, to wear some clothing item that is like my favorite thing. So I'll, like, I'll wear like my favorite shirt, right? And so this morning, I, usually my favorite shirt is my Sub Pop t-shirt, you know, a Washington-based record company. It makes me feel really connected to Washington when I wear it, and that's my favorite shirt. Um, but... I wanted to, you know, wear a different shirt this morning because I, I want, but I got to wear, I was like, oh, I got to wear my favorite pants. And I'm like, I'm looking, my favorite pants are over there. I like to say pants. Pants are over there on the floor and they're all just like in this pile. And I go to, I go to smell them, you know, you know, you're like, you're like, I want to wear my favorite pants. And, uh, uh, and then I realized, oh, I, I, I definitely wore them at the fire pit. Like, oh yeah. And so don't walk too close to me this morning, you, you know, I, I pretty much smell like, like summer camp, just like, because I've got the fire pit pants on this morning, I'm feeling good, like, that's really going to help me with my public speaking today, like, give my Jesus talk. Uh, it's raining. It's raining, friends. We moved here from Colorado because we love, well, one of the many reasons was we love rain, uh, but here's a, you know, Pro tip, you know, keep your notes, keep your notes in a gallon Ziploc bag. That way when you're in the shower looking at your notes in the morning or uh, walking to church from your car, uh, keep them in the gallon bag. So I got to pull those. It's going to help to get those out of the bag this morning. Uh, Let's pray. Jesus, we need you. We need you so desperately. <laughs> you are so good to us. You meet us right where we're at. You love us right where we're at. Uh, and I know that this morning you invite us to your good gifts this morning. And I pray that you would do that in my heart this morning. I pray that you do that in all of our hearts. Anyone listening online, anyone here. 
I just pray, Jesus, that you would highlight things and just anything from you, Jesus, that, you, that we'd just be able to hold on to it and uh, connect with you this morning, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. So if, if you're new to Christianity, you've not been around Christianity for very long, one of the things that is super important in Christianity is this, uh, is this concept of, of Jesus is the living word, the very word who, who created all of existence, who, the very word who brought, brought life to, into nothingness is Jesus. And, and we, care, we care a lot about the Christian Bible because we believe that over time that, that, that by, the, by, uh, by the Holy Spirit, people were able to write were able to write things that pointed to Jesus, that pointed to the living word, the, that they were inspired by the Holy Spirit, and then also that these writings were compiled over time, and that the very compilation of, of these writings uh, was inspired by the Holy Spirit, and that even now as we read it, that it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would breathe life into it now. And so this, and the, so this morning you'll hear me um, jumping to our sacred writing of Christianity. You'll, you'll, you'll hear me jump to the Bible lots of times. And the reason is, is because we believe that it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is, it connects us to the living word who is Jesus, gift of the Father, gift of our Heavenly Father, and that, that, and that God, the, by his Holy Spirit, would literally, in, would, would inspire this moment right here this morning, which would connect us with his word. We have an invitation from Jesus I, I, this morning I, and I, I, to a, a little bit slower way of living, a, a, a way of, of creating more space so we can be maybe more intentional, more playful, more relational, more real, more curious, but also more willing to face the challenging stuff, the hard stuff to have enough space in our heart to where we don't have to ignore the hard stuff, to where we can actually begin to face it in small ways. And it's not just an outward posture. The outward posture of a spacious life um, um, can maybe sometimes can be bought with, uh, with financial, with, with money. Um, maybe it's uh, it, more leisure time or, uh, or more... Um, a life schedule that is facilitated by having more money, but it's beyond that. It's it's not just having more leisure. It's an inward an inward slowness that can only come from God. And I've had moments, um, and we're going to go to a passage of scripture where Paul talks about this, where he's like, "I've had times of plenty, and I've had times of not not enough." And I and it's so been ama so amazing to me how. How there are moments where, on the outside, I, I like I have this big space of time and and uh, and ability to slow down, but my heart is just just cranking along, and I just cannot the the emotions and the thoughts and the ongoing re remembering of negative stuff and the and the lack of hope for the future and just how so much so much of the time I lack this slow this slowness from God in my inward life. And so this morning, I think that I want to remind us that, that Jesus has always been about a holistic, complete surrender. 
the I surrender all, I surrender all. Like that is a complete surrender. It's, it's outward, it's inward. And Jesus is inviting every bit of who we are to just a little bit slower way, a little bit more connected way. My first fill in the blank, because I love fill in the blanks if, if, if somebody is using those, it's, it's what if my slowing was like God's patient compassion for self and others? So if slowing is this action, what kind of slowing is it? And does God slow? And you'll hear me using slow as a verb this morning, and so it, 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 can, it can strike you as a little awkward, but we'll, we'll get used to it. 2 Peter 3, verse 9. Peter, uh, in his sermons later in life, he, uh, it's thought of to be a compilation of his sermons later in life. 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 3 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 in the New Testament, the Christian Bible says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. It feels like sometimes like God is a little bit slow. Like God, God is just like, God, how long do we have to wait? How patient am I going to have to be? And, and, but this passage is saying, wait, wait, wait a second, wait a second. God is patient, not only with us, patient with this planet, patient with our world, patient with the whole situation around us. And in his patience, it's because of his compassion. It's because he has good gifts for us. One of this, those good gifts is this opportunity for repentance. And so God is always inviting us to receive his good gifts. Um, that's what grace is. We sang this morning our first song. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Grace is just a fancy church word for every good gift that comes from God. Every bit of mercy, every bit of strength, every bit of empowering, every bit of thing that only God can initiate, only God can give us. And our, our tiniest little response is that response to grace. And this opportunity for repentance, this patient open space that God offers to the whole world is that grace. What are some of the areas of life where we wish God would hurry up? What if what appears to be God's slowness is actually God's patience and compassion? What if God's kind of slow and steady compassion is something that can also grow in our hearts? God models this every day, his patience for the world around us. That same patience, can that grow in us? Can that slower approach, that little bit slower way, uh, can that grow in our own hearts? But I know that voice in us, right? Don't, like, like don't tell me to relax. <laughs> don't tell me to relax. Uh, you don't know what I face. Like, you don't know what, like, you don't know what, it, you don't know what's going on here. You don't know what it's like out there. Like, you don't, like, what are you talking about? Like, how out of touch are you? Like, how can you tell me to slow? Like, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to brace up and, 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 and put all of who I am in this giant burst of energy forward just to face this life. And what if, but what if God is, is asking for something a little bit different than that from us? Jesus responds this way. Jesus says, I want to team up with you. 
I want to talk it through with you each step of the way. I'm not just going to I'm not just going to be this giant voice saying, stay off the lawn. And then we just go, okay, all right, I'm going to stay off the lawn. Okay, I'm going to stay off the lawn. Our Heavenly Father is saying, ha ha, I created the lawn. I created nature. I created this garden. I created every good and perfect gift. I invite you into it. And yeah, there's a lot of messed up stuff out there because this is a broken world because of sin and people rejecting my good gifts, including you. But I invite you to step out there and each step of the way, I'm going to be in conversation with you and we're going to do this together. Philippians 4, verse 12 and 13, Paul says this, uh, I love the book of Philippians because it's so good to remember that he's that that Paul is is I believe under house arrest probably when he wrote this and so he's not in a great moment this is what he says in Philippians chapter 4 verse 12 and 13 I know what it is uh, to be in need I know what it is to have plenty I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then here's this verse that we that is very famous, famous verse. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Well, oftentimes the translation uses, I can do all things who, through Christ who strengthens me, right? We, like that's a verse we know. We're a super familiar verse with us, for us. And I know that that's true for all things. I can do all things. But it's interesting to look at this context, the original context, and go, oh, that verse, that super important verse is connected to contentment? What? Contentment? Isn't that kind of a weak word? Isn't that like settling for second best? Just be content. Just like whatever happens to you, you know, just like deal with it. And that's... And you just got to be more content. Like, does that sound, I don't know, that doesn't sound very inspirational to me. And so the word contentment surely has acquired some baggage that was not originally intended. Maybe, it like, surely contentment is a bigger thing with Jesus than what the way we look at it. Maybe it's not about settling for second best. It's not just giving up. It's like, I'm 45 years old now, and so now that I'm 45, I was born in 1976, you know, this is the point in life where you just start to give up, and you know, and it's just like a, it's like an ongoing journey. You know, I used to be optimistic when I was 18, and I knew everything, but now that I'm 45, you know, I'm going to be content because, you know, that's just where we all end up. No, 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 no. What if contentment is gratitude and hope in every situation? Gratitude and hope in every situation? That's going to take a miracle. Why would one of the most profound verses in the Christian Bible about strength be connected to the concept of contentment? And it's interesting also that he says, hey, I've, got, I've learned the secret. You can, say, you can think about that different ways, but the way it struck me is, wait a second, that's the secret, oh, it's in, an in, internal thing. It's hidden. This contentment thing? It's not just like, I mean, I know gratitude is a big thing, like we will put on social media, like, 
I, I've done it lots of times. Like, I feel like it's a, it's a positive thing to put on social media. It's like, I love those thank you lists. People will do like the gratitude for 40 days or something on social media or whatever. Today I'm grateful for, and that's cool. Um, but what if this internal gratitude, this internal contentment, this internal tiniest little response to God's grace uh, requires this impossible strength, it requires one of, the most, one of the most powerful verses in the whole Bible, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's good for me to hear that because I know in my life it's going to take a miracle. Like, I know I need that miracle. I, I need that as I face just, like, the, the wow, I'm triggered again by just the, the, like, the most mundane family life. The most mundane, I've faced this a million times. This is what my life is every day. Why am I triggered again by the most basic things in my life to not have gratitude, to not have contentment, to not look to Jesus, to... To, be, to feel as if I have to prove something, to feel like I've lost self-worth, and the only way I can get it back is by cranking out that to-do list, by making stuff happen so everybody can go, man, that guy's got energy, and man, that guy gets stuff done. What if my self-worth was, was something beyond that? What if it was something beyond this what I did versus... Uh, who God's made me to be, this gift that I've received from my Heavenly Father. So can we be slow and steady all the time? That's impossible, right? Like, not everybody, it's like, well, you know, when I was growing up, I've shared this a number of times, I would read about Jesus, and I regularly would go, well, that's Jesus, you know, it doesn't really count. You know, Jesus could be that way, but I don't know how a regular person like me can possibly be that way, but we forget that Jesus took on everything that it meant to be human. Jesus required the Holy Spirit, surrendered um, to the Heavenly Father by the Holy Spirit to live his, to live his life out daily. And, what, and so my next point is, what if my slowing helped me prepare for interruptions, emergencies, and opportunities, because I, I think my, I like to play the devil's advocate, or I can't think of a, I like to just be contrarian when I think about philosophical ideas, and just like, if I'm saying something, I'll try to think of, well, what's the opposite of what I'm saying, and do I believe that too? <laughs> uh, and so, um, when I hear somebody, when I hear somebody share something like, uh, we need to slow down, I'm like, well, I can think of a lot of moments when you, when you don't need to slow down, right? And, but look at the life of Jesus. Jesus is, Jesus, his, Jesus's life is super interesting, right? Because he appears, he appears to be super relaxed. Like relaxed in a way that's almost uh, irresponsible. Like, uh, like, like Jesus, don't you understand the landscape of the political environment you're living in? Like, don't you, I mean, the little bit I know about first century Palestine, like this is not, this is a, this is a wild place to be living, Jesus. And why are you doing it this way? Like, like why do you allow for so many interruptions? Like we need to, we need, we need you to communicate your truth to the planet, to us, your future church. Like we need, 
your words to somehow get into the Bible, like, why are you letting kids interrupt you? Like, why are you letting, uh, like, it's like, again and again, Jesus is interrupted by people that are hurting, people who have physical illness, physical ailments, uh, uh, religious leaders who want to, who want to catch him in, and, and, uh, they, they want to bait him with, with controversial questions and trip him up. But listen to Mark chapter 6, verse 31, one of the Gospels in the New Testament. It says this, Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, this is Jesus, Jesus said to them, Come with me, he's talking to the disciples, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place. Let's get some rest. This is all over the Gospels. All, like, it's a fun little Google search, like, uh, Jesus, quiet time away, or Jesus, rest. Um, over and over in the Gospels, Jesus, like, late at night, just, like, cuts out, like, goes and hits the Garden of Gethsemane, goes out in nature, goes, finds a quiet place, takes the disciples uh, to, to a, a hidden place, a deserted place, uh, and I, the Washington nature part of me just loves that. Like, yeah, nature Jesus. You know, like, he's going out there. He's, and, uh, but it's more than that, right? Like, why is Jesus doing that? Be and, and why is Jesus uh, sometimes giving up sleep so he can have time away with the Heavenly Father? Uh, it seems as if Jesus needs this very has these amazing boundaries where he's not allowing for interruptions during those times. He's like, he's, he's placing himself in this, in this moment where there are no interruptions, there's nobody around. He even facilitates a, a situation for his disciples to get away, to find rest, to, and, and because of this time with the Father, sometimes Jesus would do this prayer vigil thing, right? All night long, like, uh, Jesus is, you know, four in the morning, Jesus is still praying, it's like the disciples wake up at the blisteringly early, and Jesus has been praying all night. Uh, and then, you know, there are these funny moments where Jesus will, is catching up on sleep. You know he's got to be catching up on sleep, right? Like when he's, when he's asleep while they're crossing the Sea of Galilee, like you know it's because he's like been praying all night or something, right? I mean, I don't think the guy's just like, you know, the disciples' conversations are so boring. Sometimes I just got to sleep. Like, no, like, I think, I think Jesus knew, like, I think he had moments where he's like, okay, I've got an hour. Like, I got to get some sleep because I, I, I took that time away. I took that rest. And, but Jesus isn't rigid about this rest. We know that Sabbath rest is a big deal in Scripture. And uh, especially uh, in the Old Testament um, the first portion of the Bible, of the Christian Bible, but Jesus, he interacts with Sabbath in a wild way. He's not rigid about it. He definitely um, celebrates the Sabbath, definitely does Sabbathing. He definitely on Sabbath doesn't, like he takes time to be alone and to be with his heavenly father, but he's not rigid about it. He's willing, he sees someone in need. He's willing to heal on the Sabbath. Freaked a lot of people out. I was like, wait a second, you're not supposed to do that on the Sabbath. But he, was, he, he, he wasn't rigid about his rest, but he, he took rest, but then he saw that his disciples were hungry, and he's like, go, like, pick some fruit off the tree. Like, I, 
you know, like, like, uh, is it, I didn't find the scripture, but is it Jesus who at one point is like, like he had, or his disciples had taken grain at like a little bit like pods of grain out of the field. And he's like eating, like snacking on grain. Like I love, like, like if ever there's a, like, I feel like that's a great movie moment of Jesus, right? Because, right, actors need something to do with their hands, right? So Jesus is, you know, we can't have Jesus smoking a cigarette, right? But so, <laughs> uh, why did that come out in the Jesus talk? Um, I, the reason I say that is because that's an acting thing, right? You, you look like you can act better if you're doing something with your hands. And so, you know, um, and so Jesus is, you know, he's got the, he's opening up the grain and going, oh, this is cool. He's snacking on it. And people are going, what? You can't do that on Sabbath. And Jesus is like, well, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. What is the Sabbath all about? It's connection with God's good gifts in this earth, those close and dear to me, connection to my heavenly father by the Holy Spirit. Like, uh, that the Sabbath was made for us to be in a pattern of rest so that we can face this life. Jesus lived that moment by moment. What if I could slow enough what if I could slow down enough? What if I could find a slower pace? What if I could be slow enough, slow down enough to love? Paul, in his letter to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, famous uh, chapter, the love chapter it's called, it begins by all these big things. You can do all this cool stuff. You can do this, you can do this, you can do this. But if you don't have love, like, who cares? <laughs> like, like, you can do... Like, excuse me you can like you can accomplish all this stuff but if you don't love if you don't love and then you're like okay all right you, you got my attention paul uh so what's love and then verse four paul goes on to define love he starts with this he says love is patient out of every out of everything um Paul could have said in our Bible about uh, love. He started there. He said, love is patient. And there are so many things in life that you just can't, like you just, you can't hurry it up, right? Like you can't, like uh, I have a confession to make. Um, this topic is really challenging for me. And so I, I knew I couldn't just sit down and study my Bible and I mean, maybe I could have. I, I knew I couldn't just, like, sit down and find the words for this talk. Like, it's, it's just out, this is not in my, this is, um, this is not in my wheelhouse. Like, slowing is not my thing. Like, I, I, I've never thought of, uh, like, I've wanted to grow in it, but I've never thought, you know, my life message is, is this thing. Um, and so because of that, I knew I needed to crank through some content. So I found probably seven or eight books on this concept of slowing or slowing down and what that can mean in Scripture. And then out of, out of those, I chose three or four. And then I decided there's no way I'm going to get through, like, entire books on slowing um, unless I do Audible. And so I drank a bunch of coffee this week. I mean, I, I, I upped my content, uh, my coffee uh, consumption this week, and then I was listening to Audible book at like 2.2. 2. 
that's, that's like faster than twi like twice as fast. And I'm like frantically taking notes about slowing down. Like, <laughs> I mean, I've got more notes for this this week. I mean, I'm like caffeinated notes, like slowing down. Is, whoa, that's profound. Tears in my eyes. Oh God, thank you. But like slow, like like tearing up faster, right? I was tearing up at 2.2 because because I couldn't I couldn't cry too much in the presence of God because I was already up to like two or three next concepts that I had to write down. What like by the time I emotionally connected with, with what God had told me. And so my, that is my confession, is that I, I did listen to th three and a half books at 2.2 this week. And most of the books I read, if you put them at 2.2, you can get through like a 250, 300-page book in like, like six hours, like at two, if you do 2.2. Like just thinking about it made me slap my knee like, go, go, go. Okay, all right. <laughs> oh, God, forgive me. Please forgive me, God. But the way I rationalized it is I'm going to grow in this, and then I'll slow next week after I preach. And... Uh, where on earth was I? What if I could slow down enough to love? If, is, is it possible to read poetry like at 2.2 and really, really bask in it? Uh, I stole that from some book. They said, can you, you know, I'm sure they said it in a really slow way, but I heard it, it just flew by. Can you read poetry? <laughs> Anyways, I'll, I'll move on. Um... There's a Japanese theologian, I think he died in 2010, uh, Christian theologian. Um, his name is uh, Kosuki uh, Koyama, and he wrote this book of essays, and I only read like the one essay. And it was a compilation of essays, and his most provocative title, you know, like, have you ever seen this compilation of essays? You take your coolest title out of all your essays, because every essay has a title, right? And then you make that the title of the book. And so his most provocative, cool, in my opinion, his, one, of his, one of his coolest little essays was Three Mile an Hour God. And it's the, the, it, super cool. And like, he's talking about how, like this three mile an hour Jesus, right? Because three miles an hour is about the speed of walking. And that Jesus lived his life. Sure, yeah, he lived uh, 2,000 years ago and I mean, he could have rode a horse. He could have rode a chariot. There were things he could have done to go faster. He could have ran like Elijah, right? I mean, he could have done a lot of fast things, but for whatever reason, most of the time, when he's not walking on water, he's walking on land, and he's walking most of the time. And walking is slower. Um, Amber and I, my wife Amber and I, we, uh, for a few years, we had been talking about um, wow, when it gets to be, we got married in 2000, we, and super, super thankful for that, and um, we, when leading up to 2020, we kept telling ourselves, we're going to kind of do a big travel moment, like, for our 20-year anniversary, it's kind of cool, and we're going to kind of splurge a little, we're going to kind of go out, and we're going to do something big, and then COVID happened, and it didn't kind of really happen, but we had a, we had a chance to um, recently kind of, a year later, because this is, was our 21st anniversary. But in our minds, there was no way we were going to splurge financially like that unless we called it our 20-year, because our 20-year was more symbolically important, right? All the ways we rationalize. 
<laughs> and so, and so we were like, we're going to do this big thing. We're going to travel. And so we, we found out about this group that was traveling and, um, we had this wonderful time for a week, um, here a few weeks ago and we're s such a beautiful moment. And the, there was this couple hosting named, uh, their names were Laura and Tim. They used to live in Chicago. Now, I mean, in Seattle, now they live in Chicago and they do photography and blog writing and a lot of artistic pursuits. But one of the things they do is they, they host these these trips every so often. And so it was a real cool thing to be in this group of 20 people on this trip far away from home. And they would give these little talks, these little chats about life. And they're thinkers, and it was really life-giving to hear their approach. And they were talking about things like mindfulness and living in the present moment and what it means to travel well and to travel to slow down when you travel is important because then you can pay attention to beauty. You can pay attention to the culture around you. If you slow down enough, you can, you can interact with the people you're with. You can slow down enough. And so this concept, and then they even had this super fun um, historical uh, moment that they described where there were these philosophers who were all about this in France um, years ago, and to kind of make a point, they would go to the busiest park in Paris, and I, I probably should research this more and make sure I'm getting this all right, but this is the way I understood it. Uh, they would go to the busiest park in Paris, get all dressed up, and really, and then find a turtle and put a leash on it, and then walk as slow as possible through the park, letting the turtle lead them on a leash. I mean, I don't know how often this happened. Maybe it was just once. Maybe it was a few times. Maybe it was only a handful of people who did it. But a wonderful imagery, right? This slower way, this, uh, like, be the turtle. Like, put the turtle on the leash. You know, like, uh, our dog, Stella, she wants to run, and, and a lot of the time, she's not even fast enough for me. I'm like, let's get to that beach, and let's get you swimming. Let's get that energy out. You know, the concept of having the patience to, to, be <laughs> to be led by the turtle. But that was a beautiful moment for my wife and I um, to hear this talk because uh, it, it was in part of an ongoing dialogue that's been in our own heart because we, we loved, like my wife, even far beyond me as a get-it-done person. And, I mean, she can just get stuff done. And I love to write, but she can, like, sit down and be like, you know, I have to, like, deal with my emotions first and, and maybe get prayed up and, okay, I'm going to write a paragraph. Okay. But my wife, she can just be like, we're supposed to write. Here we go. First sentence. Dun, dun, dun. Second sentence. Dun, dun, dun. Pretty soon she has, like, two pages. I'm like, I'm just getting emotionally ready to write. Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> like she can just get stuff done. And so, so but for us as a couple... For us to think about this concept of, okay, what would that mean in our real life? To have true, to be, to slow down to this pace of Jesus that this Japanese Christian theologian is talking about. The three mile an hour God, the three mile an hour Jesus, the walking Jesus. The walking Jesus who can be interrupted, who, who is faced with emergencies, also opportunities. People who he can love in big ways. But Jesus, not in a hurry, 
willing to face emergencies, willing to, to pick up the pace when it needed to happen, but not, but the reason he was able to do that, because he had this, he had these quiet moments, these quiet connections to grace, and I want to go back to that word grace. What if my slowing showed my trust when I'm, when I'm not getting any recognition? Before I get to grace, I want to just touch on this before I finish. I want to take this little side before I finish on grace. Um, for me, one of the, we all have these reasons why we can't slow down. One of the biggest things in my heart is I get really worried um, that that God, that I've got to prove something and that I've got to like, and that God actually isn't looking out for me, that, I, that the only way I'm going to make it in this life is, for, is to hustle and to get it done. And I've got to kind of like look out for myself. I've like the, the desire of my heart, I've got to hold it tightly um, because no one else is going to hold it for me and I got to go, I got to make it happen and I got to do this. Like that's, and some of that comes from growing up in sports, you know, where coaches are just like, no one's going to do this for you. Like you got to get out there and you got to make it happen, you know, and there is a certain, there's a certain partial truth to that, right? There is a certain thing. Um, but in my heart, a major barrier to slowing down at all is this fear, um, like, is this like fear of being uh, forgotten, fear of of not being known, fear of just kind of being left out there and just and not ever um, not ever having the opportunity to go after the desire of my heart. Jesus goes straight after this in Matthew six verse six. He says, "When you pray, go into your room, close the door." Pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will, will reward you. And that's a big promise from God. God is saying those secret moments, those moments that nobody knows about where it's the real you that's not quite as impressive, that's not quite as cool, that's not quite as chilled out. Those tiniest moments where yeah you're stumbling and messing up and going back to addictions and you're going back to crap and you're getting triggered by but in the middle of all that in those quiet moments in those farthest in those moments there are these ch yes those moments happen too <laughs> in those moments um the tiniest yes in our heart uh it matters and that there will be in eternity, it will matter. That Jesus will make it matter somehow. So much of our spiritual journey can be public. You know, it's like so much of our Jesus thing as well when we're here at church. And that's important. That's the beauty of spiritual community. But some parts of self that grow best, grow best in secret. Grow best in that hidden place. We're imperfect. Sometimes these moments can be panic and depression. What if the faintest, but what if, one, what if the faintest one-sentence prayer, the smallest yes in our hearts in those quiet moments count for much more? And let me end with this. What if I could slow down enough to where my work and rest were responses to the invitations of Jesus? I want to talk about the, 
just close with this idea of the rhythms of grace. I went to Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says this. He uses a metaphor of two oxen um, in farming. Two oxen would pull together. Two pulled much better than one. And uh, you would often, if you study up on this, you would put an experienced, uh, your experienced um, livestock together with like you're inexperienced, and then they, they would, t the, the more experienced would teach the other. And uh, Jesus uses this metaphor. He says, my yoke is easy. He's like, if we're, if we're going to use the metaphor of oxen, he says, let's pull together. Let's, you know, we're going to do this series on with. And it's Jesus, it's, it's Jesus saying, will we, can we do this together? Can we, you do, I invite you together with me. Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 through 30, in the message, uh, a paraphrase of, of Scripture, a translation of Scripture, which is you've got your word, word for word translation, you've got your phrase by phrase translation of Scripture, and then you have idea for idea kind of translations. This is one of those mostly idea for idea kind of translations, and it says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Unforced rhythms of grace. Everything in me wants to force it, wants to make it happen. Jesus inviting us into these unforced rhythms of grace. What's a rhythm? It's something that happens again and again and again. It's an open invitation. Jesus inviting us once again. Jesus giving us just enough grace, just enough provision, just enough for these next moments. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. You'll learn to live freely and lightly. These rhythms of grace, rhythms of grace. We sang, your grace is enough. Throughout scripture, God always initiating and our tiniest response as best we can, as much as we are able, God celebrating our tiniest little responsiveness. God initiating, God always loving us first and then saying, will you love me? I'm gonna love you first. And I'm like, I wanna love you, Jesus. I, I wanna love you, God. I don't know how to love, but I, as best I can, I say, yes, I wanna love. And God going, I wanna, I'm gonna give you the tiniest bit of grace that you need for that next step. I'm gonna show you a little bit more what love looks like. I'm gonna bring people into your life. I'm gonna bring books for you to read. I'm gonna bring interactions with others. I'm gonna bring pictures of people not showing love. I'm gonna remind you of moments where you didn't love well, and it's going to help you remember how to love well, and you're going to take that next tiniest little step, and then you're going to fall on your face like we all do, and then you're going to go back to the cross, and you're going to say, Jesus, here I am again. You were teaching me about love. You were teaching me about grace. I want to love well. I want to live well. I want to be in conversation with you. I want to be with you, but our smallest yes in our hearts our smallest I surrender all. It's not a I give up. It's not a just do it, God, because I'm so worthless. It's, wow, I have worth because you believe in me, Jesus. And yeah, 
I'm sure a lot of people could do it better or a lot, like I, I, there's all kinds of rationalizations for why I shouldn't even be a part of this. But for some reason you've chosen me and you continue to, to choose me. You continue to give me enough grace. You continue to give me these tiny bits of your goodness to me. And I want to respond with the tiniest bit of goodness back to you, God. Show me what that looks like. I want to live that. And the picture of that that I go back to, and you've heard me go back to, and I just can't stop going back to it, is, is our Heavenly Father teaching us to ride the bicycle. It doesn't just, you know, Wikipedia it for us and tell us to watch a couple YouTube videos and then just gives you a bike and just says, go make it happen. It's Jesus who, 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 who helps you get on the bicycle, chooses probably a smaller bicycle than we even need, right? Like, we, we know that now. Like, now that we have a, the bicycle was invented in, what, 1890 or something? So finally, 130 years later, we're pretty good at teaching kids how to ride bicycles now. We have balanced bikes and stuff. Um, but the old school way was you would have these, uh, you would have these training wheels, and then you, there would be the day of, let's take off the training wheels. And I remember I finally learned when my, it's so crazy, my little sister learned how to ride a bike before me and then I was like you've got to be kidding me and then I learned in like five minutes because <laughs> she was like I swear she was like three I was like what what are you I'm gonna okay and then I just learned <laughs> I think I was like four and a half or five and I was like my little sister can't be riding a bike before me and so I got on her tiny little girl's bike I mean that thing was even smaller than our balance bikes that we have now and I just, I just rode that thing like I meant it. But anyways, that was a sidetrack. Let's end here. Bicycle Jesus, our Heavenly Father helping us get on the bicycle. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm holding the handlebar. I'm holding your back. I'm holding the seat. I'm behind you. I've got you. I've got you. You can pedal. You can do this. You can do this. We fall. We get back up. You can do this. We can do this. Brush it off. I know that hurt. It's okay. We're going to make it. Get back on that bicycle. The rhythms of grace. God calling us, get back on that bicycle. And you, pretty soon, you're riding, you're like, oh, my Heavenly Father is totally doing this for me. This is way too easy. And you look over, and Jesus is, for some reason, is still wearing, like, first century Palestine clothing. Like, he's still, like, he's got to hold his robe up just a little bit so that he can run right next to you right next to you while you're riding your bicycle and you're like, you're not holding me! And you're riding the bicycle, but he's still with you. And he sees, and, and you know, and you can take this metaphor too far maybe, but like, hey, if there's a cliff coming up, Jesus isn't going to be like, well, figure it out. It's like, no, our Heavenly Father is going to go, okay, that was awesome. I'm going to hold you and let's stop you now. I realize now we need to learn how to find the brakes. Like, like, there, it's an ongoing process, right? Learning these rhythms of grace. Learning how to be with our Heavenly Father. And so that's my prayer this morning. Let's, let's end there. Worship band, let's just come up. And my prayer is this. Jesus, would you be that giver of good gifts that, you, that we know you are? Would your grace be enough? We do surrender all to you because you are enough. We want that pattern of grace, that rhythm of grace, that ongoing, tiniest little conversation with you like Jesus had. We want a slower way. We want a more relational way. Help us, Jesus. 
Show us what that looks at looks like. And when we mess up and we and we we try to make it happen, like Jesus, show us how to depend on you. Show us how to also respond as best we can, how to carry the part that you want us to carry, Jesus. We want to be responsive to you. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you for your invitations this morning. Be with us, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Let's sing, let's worship.